Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm Shelly Mosteller. I'm the creative arts pastor, and I am so glad that you picked today to join us in worship. It's a very special day. Last week, we wrapped up our Jesus Quotes series, and we spent a lot of time looking at how Jesus used the scripture, how he taught from and quoted from the Old Testament while he was living and creating the New Testament. It's pretty incredible if you stop and think about it. But the Bible is important to Jesus, so it is, thank you, Rigel, the Bible is important to us as well. So that is why we read it and study it and teach it and memorize it and, yes, even sing it. We believe the Holy Spirit can use the Bible to transform and shape our lives. And there's another really cool thing the Bible does. It can reveal the character of God. And that is what we're going to focus on today. So throughout the rest of the worship service, we are going to sing songs steeped in scripture. And as we go along, we're going to unpack the scripture behind the song and see what it reveals about the character of God. It's going to be a really, really special, special service. And we hope that it makes it even deeper and richer experience for you. Good morning. I'm sorry I'm not singing today, but, you know, that's, that's kind of, yeah, thank you. You're welcome for that, by the way. Yeah, we're really glad, and uh, what great, great songs that we've done already. We've just been singing about the character of God, and it doesn't matter the age or era of the song. What matters is what it's saying and what we take from it. These are all scripture. They, they just really are. You know, you, you, you sing about his loving, compassionate, powerful, merciful, faithfulness, all those kind of things, and those are just in two of the songs that we've just done, and there's several more still to come. So let's take a minute and stop and think about some of the words that we just sang. Are you ready? Graves into gardens. The chorus says, you turn mourning to dancing. And Hannah led us through Psalm 30 that says, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. And the next line is, you give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. That is straight from Isaiah 61. That's what it says in Isaiah 61. Here it is. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks, that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Do not rush past those words. Those are scripture. That's been around for a really, really long time, like thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Psalm and Isaiah are both in the Old Testament. So ancient Jews would have known those words. That's pretty important. That scripture have been, it would have been, memorized by them they would have known that they could have said that every day jesus might have read those exact words as he taught in the temple he might have spoke those words or they might have sang some of them as he was teaching the sermon on the mount on the hillside that's an incredible connection isn't it i mean think about it we're singing some of the same words that the ancient christians sang in their day thousands of years ago you know we've been talking for the past several weeks about how god's word is still relevant for us today 
and it is. It's right there. We're still using it. The second chorus says this, you turn graves into gardens. And there are so many places throughout the New Testament where you see gardens as a symbol of this perfect creation that God's created. Think about the resurrection. Jesus turned the tomb into a place of life. He, John even wrote that he thought Jesus, would, the ladies thought Jesus was the gardener when they first saw him. You turn bones into armies. That's from a vision and a conversation that Ezekiel had with God. Ezekiel 37, it says this, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. And then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will have life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies and they all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. That's a pretty wild story, isn't it? Did you have any idea that's what you were singing? You were singing that very scripture? You turned seas into highways. Anybody know what that's about? Yeah, it's the Israelites crossing the Red Sea on dry ground with Moses leading them. Isaiah 43, I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. That's Isaiah 43. God is in the business of making old things new. That's what he does. He brings, he breathes life into dry bones. He makes a way when things seem to be impossible. And he's the only one who can do that. Again, these words we're singing are powerful. I mean, just singing and breathing this scripture that, that we don't even know what it is sometimes. But that's what we're singing. There's a song out right now that I, I really like. And if you listen to Christian music at all, you've probably heard it. And some of you have probably tried to belt it out in your car as you're driving, which is the only way I sing, by the way. And I belt it out in the car as I'm driving. And uh, it, it's just an incredible song. It's called Gyra. And it's by this group called Maverick City. And it's, it's awesome. As a matter of fact, when, when, when you sing this song, Gyra, most of us will sing this, but if I don't explain this to you, you'll have no idea what Jireh means. Do you know what it is? Jehovah Jireh. What does that mean? What's the purpose behind that? Here you go. It's one of the names that describes God. And we first hear it in the story of Abraham, and it's towards the beginning of the Old Testament. God planned on building this entire nation out of Abraham's family but first, he wanted to show Abraham exactly what kind of God that he was. And he told Abraham to go up onto the mountain and sacrifice his son Isaac. And it doesn't sound like something that our loving, merciful, just God would do. And it's a hard story to wrap your mind around when you break it down. But look in Genesis 22. 
As they got closer to the mountain, Isaac asked his father, We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Can you imagine that moment as a father and a son, a son that you have waited for your entire life? And when they got to the top of the mountain and had everything prepared, God stopped Abraham at the very last second. It says this in Genesis 22. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your own son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in, in, in place of his son. And Abraham named, um, named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Yahweh Yireh, or as we pronounce it, Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. Do you know that? Do you feel that? If God calls you to something, he's going to equip you for it. He's the God who provides. When things look hopeless, when things look impossible, he's the God who provides. And we can't earn it, and we don't deserve that, but he's the God that provides. content in everything. That's a strong statement. Can we really trust God in everything? What about when things go wrong? 
What about when life seems to be spinning out of control? Can we be content then? Let's shift over to the New Testament just for a moment to one of the letters that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. He writes this in Philippians 4, For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret to living in every situation, whether it's on a full stomach or empty, whether with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul wrote that letter while he was in jail. He was literally in chains, and yet he said he was content, that he had everything he needed because he had Jesus, Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. Paul understood that it was God that provides his strength and the love and the mercy and the encouragement that he needed and that we need, not just to survive, but to be content no matter what. life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor weep nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? said that we can have the same contentment that he had. It says this in Philippians 4.19, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. You are loved by a God who is enough, enough to provide for you, enough to wrap you in his arms and bring you some peace. 
enough to, to walk with you down these difficult roads that you may have to walk right now. You are loved by a faithful God who turns graves into gardens, who starts every morning with a fresh wave of mercy before you even have your first cup of coffee. You get that, don't you? God who is this good, a God who is more than enough and is that faithful, has to be surrounded by goodness. God created everything, including you and including me, and he said, it's good. We were made to be in a relationship with him. The problem is we just keep breaking the relationship even though we need it. We keep craving the wrong things. And in those moments, we throw God out of the way and we destroy everyone around us. Our thoughts, our words, our attitudes, they just kind of go so far away from God and the goodness of God and what he has planned for us. But Jehovah Jireh is the God who provides. He's there no matter what. He provided the sacrifice for Adam. And he provided the sacrifice for us, which is his son, Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. Listen to some of the words from Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 2. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life And he, when he raised Christ from the dead. And it's only by God's grace that we have been saved. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created each of us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things that he planned for us to do long ago. Friends, don't miss this. God believes in you more than you believe in yourself. And he's not willing to give up on you. That's God's incredible grace. Because he created us to be a people that can love him and that he can love. And it's the only way we come into a relationship with him is by his grace. Can see the 
Take out the cups that are around you and the seat racks in front of you. This is called communion. And we celebrate it every week here because it's so important for us as Christ followers to remember what Jesus has done. To remember that this life isn't about us. That Jesus sacrificed his life so that we can impact the world with his love. That's what it's about. He said, listen, I'm going to give up everything. He left the throne room of heaven, came to earth as a child, grew up in this world, and then he said, it's time for me to be the ultimate sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, and he gave his life for us. But he didn't stay dead. That's what we celebrate. He rose again. That's why this is important. Because we remember what he did, what he sacrificed, but we remember our opportunities to go out and tell people about how great he is. Will you take the bread out of the bottom, please, and hold it with me? As Jesus was in the upper room before his crucifixion, they were eating the Passover meal together and they're seated around a table and he took the bread and he said, take this and eat this in remembrance of me. We don't want to forget this moment that's coming up. Can you eat that, please? Then he took the wine that was in a cup around the table and he took it and he said, drink this to remember the sacrifice, the blood that I'm about to shed for you. You don't understand that now, but you will in the future. Drink this to remember that your sins are going to be forgiven.
For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so that we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars contained this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We're just clay jars. out this service by singing some of Jesus' words, words that he spoke for all of us and for everyone that will come after us, which is pretty cool. Jesus says this in Matthew 11, come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Whatever you're searching for, rest, peace, hope, purpose, Jehovah Jireh, Jesus provides. John explained it this way in John 3, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Will you pray with me? Father God, may we remember how powerful you are, how great you are, and how much you love us. God, we couldn't do anything on our own, but God, through you, we can do everything. Thank you for that gift. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for the gift of, of your scripture, of the Bible, the word that we can sing and put into our lives because these words are so important that we need to know them. God, thank you for this morning. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.